Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm uh, your host today, Tim, and uh, I'm glad you could be here today. Spring has sprung, and man, it is nice outside, and I hope you're enjoying this before summer comes. Now, for weeks we've been talking about paradigms. I don't know, everybody, everybody, their mother's been talking to me about this. I get, I get these kind of comments. Man, I've been thinking about my thinking. And man, it's just driving me insane. I hear you, man. I'm thinking about how I think. You know, that's what this is, series is about. You could do a series. Tim, you, you could do a series like this forever. I said, I, and they, and they said, why didn't you do this earlier? I've had people say that. I, we have been. Every Sunday, every time you open your Bible, God is trying to shift your brain. He's trying to have you get you a paradigm shift. Have you ever thought of it like that? I'm just bringing, you know, we're just bringing it to your attention here that, that every time we study the Word, God is trying to change the way you think into the way He thinks. And, um, and that's really what a paradigm shift is. It's thinking a different way or changing the way you think. You ever had an aha moment? You go, oh, what? Talking to some people, uh, family members, just yesterday, and they were talking about how their four-year-old or begin to go, oh, wait a minute. My mom's mom is my grandma. Oh! You know, I'm trying to explain to Nora that my mom is her great-grandmom. And she goes, I know she's great. No, no, no. She goes, she goes Gigi's great. I go, yeah, yes, yes, your, your grandma's great. But you have a great-grandma. Yeah, Gigi. No, there's another woman. And she just has, the paradigm hasn't shifted yet, but it'll happen, won't it? You, we know it. Well, she'll finally figure it out. And that's what happens. We have these aha moments, and that's when a paradigm shift's beginning to happen. And so old ideas, certain perspectives we've had, maybe for years, all of a sudden start to fall like dominoes. And we start applying this idea, this aha moment, to the things of life. Now one of the things I've been saying every week, I learned something else about paradigms. This is what I learned this week, that my paradigm is powerful. Your paradigms are powerful. They form what you believe. They form your deepest beliefs. And so it's very important that our paradigms are more in line with what God wants than ever before. Because you are doing what you're doing, saying what you're saying, based on your paradigm. Our paradigms are so powerful, everything that's happening to us, everything we hear and see, we experience, we filter through this paradigm. That's why some people can hear some inf- new information, but their but their paradigm can prevent them from accepting it. There are still people on this planet that believe the earth is flat. What's wrong with them? They've got a paradigm they refuse to change. It happens religiously. We get these paradigms in our head. Certain thoughts about what church ought to be like. What what having a relationship with God should be like. A recent paradigm I've come across is, I'm... Me and God, I, I love and I believe in God, but Jesus, I'm not so sure about. Why? Because He's more specific. I don't know if I want Him that specific in my life. That some people are stuck on, on God, He's good, and you know, He's good to me, but they've never made the shift over. Jesus was God in the flesh. And what He teaches matters. That's why that class on the Sermon on the Mount matters so much. They're the words of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. Anybody can believe there's a God. James said, and, and the demons do, and tremble. But do they 
trust God? Do they accept God? Do they trust the teaching of Jesus? No. That's why they shake. That's about all they do. So paradigms are powerful. And that's why I believe that you know, this series, I think it's just bringing it to our attention. Hey, God is always trying to change our minds. Look at this passage here. This is our leaping off place. It's in Romans. You find it in Romans 12, verse 2 in the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. You want to know what you've experienced, a paradigm shift? You change. Everything else may stay the same. You may still be in the same marriage, the same old job. You may have the same situation going on. Things happen. They haven't changed, but you have. Because you see them in a new light. You see them with a new perspective. And notice this. That's how, look at this. This is how powerful and how important it is that we get this. He says, if God changed the way you think, then you will learn. Does that mean a paradigm can keep me from learning? I can justify all kinds of things I do with my paradigm. How about you? Outrageous behavior. Outrageous statements. Because my paradigm says, well, you know, I'm just, anybody ever said this? Or you've heard this? I'm just the way I am and I can't help it. That's your paradigm? So it's okay to be a jerk? I'm just the way I am, man. you got to accept it. God doesn't accept it. He wants to change your thinking. Well, you know, church doesn't do a lot for me. By the way, i got the best seat in the house. Some of you in the front row don't see what's going on back here. Okay? You people in the front row, you're like this. You don't get caught. People in the back row think I can't see them. They're on their phones. Now, some of you in the back row, I'm not trying to say you're all bad. But the further back it goes, it's interesting to watch. Eye rolling, shaking heads, poking each other on the phone. Listening to music, playing games, tuning out. No wonder I'm depressed. I mean, don't you think about it. And it's all based on we're doing what we're doing. You're doing, I'm doing what we're doing based on a paradigm. The way it is. And he says, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When will I learn? I will learn when God begins to change the way I think. What's God wanting you to learn? Listen, honey, you ain't going to learn it unless you let go of that paradigm. You know, we think the Hindus are crazy for worshiping cows and holy cows. we got some holy paradigms, folks, that we don't want to give up. Amen? <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. So how do I know a paradigm shifting? I'm changing. My surroundings may not. And that's why I want to talk about this paradigm and how it relates to problems and circumstances in our life. Everybody has a problem. I know this morning, maybe you've come, you, maybe, not maybe, you've come with a problem. You've got a problem. You've got something going on. Something you're struggling with. Something that's a trial. You, you, you're experiencing some suffering. It's challenging. Maybe you've experienced a, you're experiencing a setback. Nonetheless, it's a problem. How do I approach, ask yourself this, how do I approach trouble and difficulty 
Well, what an indictment, indicting statement for me, okay? Because I tell you what I do. Man, I say things like this. Man, I never got time for this. I don't need this right now. Who am I talking to? You ever done that? Oh, I would never talk to God that way. But you are. You're going, man, how can this be happening? Why is this now? Because we don't like problems. They get in our way. And see, your belief system and my belief system, our paradigms determine how do we approach these problems that we're always facing. I believe it, it, it will determine whether I, when, when I experience a problem, give up or grow up. It has that, that powerful, that much of a powerful impact. And I, what I've been reading, I started thinking about this, okay, trouble and problems, and we've talked about this many times in the pulpit. Gary's done some marvelous lessons on, uh, on problems, and I appreciate, uh, what he's had to say about that, and we're gonna see some of that even today. But God urges you and me to approach our problems with a different paradigm. With a different paradigm. Let me give you an example. Here is Peter and what he says in Peter, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 in the message. And look what it says. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Did you circle that part there? Learn to think like him. You mean God has a view of my problems? He has a paradigm with my problems? Yeah. He has a view. He has an idea. He has some thoughts. He'd like to weigh in. He'd like you to think about your problems like he thought about his. Jesus faced problems. And we're told by Peter, who was discipled by Jesus, who watched Jesus, who learned from Jesus, I've learned this. I need to think like him. Too often I'm thinking like Peter and not like Jesus. Huh? Huh? And then he says, think like him. Learn to think like him. So it's an acquired learning. It takes a while, doesn't it? Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. What's he saying? A lot of the problems I have is because of my selfishness. I know we have problems because of someone else. Because of their selfishness. Is that right? How am I going to handle them? Even the problems I get from other people he says, you can't think about yourself. Tim, I've had some hard stuff happen to me. I was molested at the age of four. I understand. I understand some of this stuff that carries with you. I was physically and verbally abused at home. I understand. But you know what? God somehow wants me to address those problems like Jesus is. Does that make any sense this morning? I mean, it's a, I'm, I'm just captivated by this idea that God has a, an approach to problems. And I just wonder if mine are somewhere like His. He says, think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. That sounds like Romans 12. From Peter's perspective, doesn't it? Sounds just like it. Change the way you think. Think like Christ. And it'll change your life. You'll be able to live out your days this way instead of being 
hassled by your old life. I notice it's, it seems to me that Peter here is mentioning this, a, a, a starting point when it comes to addressing our problems. And I want you to ask, ask yourself, what's your starting point? I know what mine are. My starting point many times. My starting point is, I want to get this out of here. I want this to end. I want this to change, and then I'll be okay. If I can just get rid of this problem, anybody here got an engine require, engine light on in their car? I hate those. I got a van, and it pops up, and there it is. And I had one time it was on there, and you know I know what that means. It's thrown an OBD2 code if, for you mechanics. You know what that is. It's going to tell you something's wrong with the engine. And I can't pass the air test. And, and I, uh, Why do they always come on just before the air test notification? Why don't they come on after that? No, they come on. And I mean, I'm like, oh man, I've got all knotted up. That. What's it saying to me? you got a problem. You better deal with it. Kid you not, one time I took some electrical tape and I put tape over the light. Anybody ever done that? I got tired of looking at it. Every once in a while I'd be driving, I'd stop and peel the tape back to see it's still on. What's it saying? You got a problem, Tim, you need to deal with it. Oh, I'll just cover it up. I'll sweep it under the rug. I'll ignore it. And I'll be okay. That's the strategy. And it works. No, it doesn't. I'm broke down on the side of the road. Why? And the light's saying now, I tried to tell you. You ever had it blink? I've had the light come on and then go, and I'm going, what's this blinking? And I open up my, you know, repair manual or my, you know, how to use it. And it says, if the light is blinking, you're in real deep trouble. What? And it starts talking about all this stuff. I didn't know they blinked too. He says here, Think like Jesus. He says, start with God, not with getting rid of the problem, ignoring the problem. You know, if I could just, if I could just ignore it, I'll, I'll be okay. No, Peter says, no, what I learned from Jesus was, if I trust the Lord, I start with God, then I'll be okay in the problem. That's a big difference. I hope you're shifting. That you, that you mean problems aren't going to go away? Have you figured it out yet? They don't go away. The hits just keep a-coming. I'm 60 years old, and I'm still dealing with some problems I didn't learn when I could have learned at six. So if I'm going to handle these problems that I have, you've got problems, i got problems, if we're going to handle them, I'm going to have to change the way I think about them. I'm going to have to start thinking like Jesus. See, he approached his own suffering and his own trials in a different way than, than everyone else. His paradigm, catch this, if that's true, and it is true, then his paradigm shaped his approach to the problems he faced. And see, Peter learned from Jesus firsthand. Peter learned how to handle his problems by looking at how Jesus handled his problems. I've never looked at Jesus how he handles problems. I've never thought about that before. That was a new wrinkle for me. So that's why Peter could say this in chapter Peter, 1 Peter 1. 
He learned this from Jesus. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I couldn't help it when I noticed something. What's the word it? It's in there twice. Only twice. What's it referring to? My faith. What I believe. What I think. My paradigm. And he says, listen, you've really got to look at this because it's more important and precious than gold. Your paradigm is so priceless. You can't even compare to gold. I've got lots of stuff. I, yeah, I, I got lots of favorites. I got heirlooms. I've got, you know, boy toys. I've got everything you can think of. I enjoy and I like them and I pay attention to them. Peter says, Tim, your faith, your paradigm, what you believe is more important than anything you've gotten from your family, anything you'll acquire on this earth. Because it shapes everything that's going to happen. It shapes how you're going to handle everything that's going to happen. And how what you're going to be like after everything has happened. So what does God think of my problems? I mean, i got my opinion, but I think of mine. I hate them. I don't want them. Anybody want to join my club? <laughs> you know, the He-Man Problem Hater Club. I hate, I just hate problems. They mess with me. My wife will say, you're such a fragile kid. Man, you, you babied when you were a kid. Yeah, it was ba- and Like, oh, I have these meltdowns over. What's going on? I, I just don't like problems. And I don't think I'm the only person in this room that doesn't like them. I want to avoid them. Well, what's God think? What's God think about problems? Well, let me give you his thoughts here. Number one, God thinks my problems are a normal part of life. They're just here. And they're not going away. We live in a broken world, we'll say. God's accepted that. You and I live in a broken world. We live in a place filled with sinners. And I are one of them. I'll say to myself, why Lord? Why, why me Lord? And he said, why not you? You're alive. The only people who don't have problems are dead. Huh? The only people in the world who don't have problems are dead. I love this. John Dewey, he's an American philosopher, said this. We only think when we're confronted with problems. Our paradigm gets active only when we have some problems. Albert Einstein said this. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we, cre- when we created them. That's true. So I gotta change this way. And one of the things I gotta, I got, I just got to accept is, is what God thinks. And that is, my problems are a normal part of my life. Look at, look at this here. Again, Peter, it seems like he's repeating what he's heard Jesus say. But it's in his language. First Peter 1. 
So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. And he goes on to say in verse 7, So when your faith remains strong after many trials, it will bring you glory and honor and praise. First Peter 4, look what he says here in the easy to read version. My friends, don't be surprised at the painful things that you are now suffering. Don't think that something strange is happening to you. Where did Peter get this idea? Because he didn't always feel this way, folks. He got it from Jesus. You know, I noticed Jesus, he's not wigging out when something happens. He's not melting down. He's not grumbling. He, it's like he just handles it in stride. Why? Because he expected them. They were a normal part of his life too. See, becoming a Christian is going to help me avoid some problems, but it doesn't insulate me from all problems. I may avoid something because I'm not going to sin, but somebody else may sin and it affects me. Or I'm going to run into something I can't do. And it's like scratching my head. What am I going to do? Let me read you another. I thought this was interesting. Every problem, this is Norman Vincent Peale, every problem has in it the seeds of its own solution. If you don't have any problems, you don't get any seeds. They're a part of my life. They're a part of your life. Even Jesus experienced problems. Look at this passage up here on the screen. This is Matthew 26. He says to them, he says to who? His disciples. My anguish is so great that I feel as if I'm dying. Will you guys kind of stay up awake, stay awake with me? What's he talking about? He says, I'm, I'm in such pain. My heart is broken. I'm just so, so overwhelmed that I feel like I'm going to die from it. You ever felt like that? Like, man, if this doesn't change, I'm just going to die. That's what Jesus feels like that. Jesus had problems. He had problems. Everyday problems just like you and I. He wasn't insulated from problems. So why should I expect to be insulated from problems if I'm following Him? In fact, sometimes, I don't know, I remember having this idea, when I become a Christian, I won't have any more problems. I found out that I picked up a few more. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Luke 22, here's up on the screen, look at this one. Jesus said this to his disciples, you have stood by me, and look what he says, in the troubles that have tested me. What? Jesus, you were tested? Yes, I was tested, Tim. You had trouble that tested you? Yeah. You ever felt like maybe you didn't want to do something? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, there's any way to take this cup from me? Any way to take this cup? I don't want to do this. There's another way. He was tested over and over again. I rarely think about Jesus having problems. I don't know how you are. I assume his life was just a stroll in the park. You know, kind of easy. I mean, he's the Son of God. Any minute somebody tries to give him trouble, tinkle, tinkle, tink, and they choke to death and die. Wouldn't you love to have that ability? Did he have that ability? Yes, he did, but he never used it. He didn't cheat. Then you'd have an out. He's showing you this is how you address problems. This is how you handle problems, Tim. He knows what it's like to be... The Bible says he was familiar. Isaiah 53 says he was familiar with suffering, with pain. 
Even from his birth, he was on the run. He was in danger. He had to leave the country for crying out loud. He was criticized. He says, I have no place to lay my head. Does that mean he was homeless? Discouraged? Oh, I just long to gather you. He says over Jerusalem, like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but, but you won't let me. Or Peter, what's wrong with you? Put your sword away. You ever thought you got frustrated with people? Stop doing that or something worse is going to happen to you. Man. I love this passage. He says, oh, you finally believe. And then, you know, chapter later, I got it, I got it, I got it. I don't got it. You know, That's got to be frustrating to Jesus. Talking to people who have been religious all their life, but hard-headed, don't recognize who He is. You study the Scriptures. You know what's about me. Yet I'm slipping through your fingers. What's wrong with you people? Frustrated? Yeah. Perplexed? Yeah. Guy walks up to Him. What do I do to inherit eternal life? Well, this is what you do. I've done that since I was a kid. Sell everything you have, come follow me. Walks away. The guy walks away. You don't think Jesus is scratching his head going, man. He knows what it's like to be tempted. The Bible says in every way. You mean women? Yeah. Tempted to quit? Yeah. I find that sometimes I am tempted to quit in the middle of a problem. Anybody else notice that? Like the problem is making me want, it's tempting me to quit. He was mistreated, rejected, hurt, killed. Yet he's not surprised by any of this. He doesn't caught off guard. He isn't going, huh? This wasn't in the deal. doesn't do that. Why? Because they're a part. I think his paradigm and it, uh, it shaped his perspective. He never grumbles. Listen, he never grumbles about his problems. There's time I read uh, Zig Ziglar said something about stop grumbling about your problems and boring your friends. I watch my wife and I start to whining. Here we go again. I've heard this record before. Not Jesus. He never grumbles. His paradigm, somehow, what he's thinking, he approaches his problem differently. He has some peace. That's what I notice about Jesus. Always in control. What I mean of his faculties, he doesn't seem to be wigging out and burnt. Yes, there's moments he loses cool, but that's not the norm for him. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. One time he's with his disciples in John 16. And he's saying, look guys, it's here. It's, it's, it's coming right now and you're all going to be scattered. You're all going to be scattered. And I'm going to be alone. But I'm not really alone, he says. I'm going to be okay because my Father will be with me. And look what he says in verse 33, 33 here. I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. He's saying, I want you to have this kind of peace under, under the problems too. Here on earth, and this sounds like what Peter just quotes him in, in Peter, 1 Peter 1, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Wait, what? You follow me, Tim. You're going to have trials and sorrows. They don't go away. You might avoid some, but some, no. I don't understand. They're part of life. They're a part of mine. They're a part of you. 
But take heart. He says, be glad. Be glad? I'm going to go through many trials. You want me to be glad? Take heart, Tim. Be encouraged. Be glad. Because I have overcome the world. What's he mean? I've overcome that problem you're facing. I already got the solution. Already went through it. Know how to get through it. This word overcome means to disarm the power of. To be victorious and disarm your enemy. I have overcome the problem. It doesn't have the weapons it once had. You say, Tim, I don't know. There's some of the stuff I'm going through. I know. and I do it myself. I think I hand my problems some weapons. I think I just hand them. I, I give them the power over me. When Jesus says, I've overcome them, Tim. I've overcome them, church. You're going to go through it, and it's not pleasant, but take heart, be glad, be excited, because on the other side of it is victory. It's already been done. You know, I hear somebody, uh, I'll say, i got something wrong with my car, and they'll say, hey, I had that happen to me too, and here's how I fixed it. And that feels good. Really? Yeah, this is what I did, and I go, and it worked. Jesus says, look, you got some problems, Tim. Things are going to run a little rough. The idol's not going to be just right in life. Things are going to be upside down. Guess what? What? I already know how to fix that. How you, here's how you, here's how you work through it. Here's how you deal with it. I don't have anything to worry about. That's the first thing. God thinks my problems are a part of my life. And I need to think that same thing. Number two, God thinks my problems are temporary. Amen. Yeah. Thank God. Look at uh, Peter. He learned this from Jesus. So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Paul said this, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now don't get hung up on the word small. Because in the grand scheme of things, your problem, your biggest problem, my biggest problem is nothing compared to God's power. And he says, they don't last very long. See, my problems and your problems come in different shapes and sizes, but one thing all of them have in common, they have a short shelf life. Amen, huh? Oh, there's an expiration date on this one. It's already on there. It's not going to last very long. And so that means whatever you're going through right now, it won't last forever. Number three, God thinks my problems have a purpose. Not only are they a part of life, and not only are they temporary, he thinks my problems have a purpose. I don't know if you think that. Yeah, to make me miserable. Yeah, to hassle me. I don't know about you, but some of the greatest things that have ever been invented or discovered have been on the heels of solving a problem. Am I right about that? Albert Einstein said this, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems a little longer than most folks. J.W. Gardner, he was the Secretary of Health uh, under President Johnson, said this, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as insoluble problems. My problems have a purpose. 
Now, you may think this, I think this, I don't need this right now, Lord. And he's going to come back with, yes, you do. Yes, you do, Tim. I can't live with this problem, Lord. And you know what he's going to say to you? You can't live without this problem. Because this problem shows that you're alive and I'm active. I'm going to do something with that problem. Like I say, just about every benefit in life is a result of tackling a problem. Construction's that way. Auto safety's that way. Food processing is that way. Medical breakthroughs have all come from somebody going, that's a problem. We've got to figure out and fix that. We've got to find a way to solve that problem. And if I'm going to benefit, if you're going to benefit at all from any of the problems you and I are facing, guys, it, it happens when I see my problems more than just some pain or nuisance that I start looking at them from God's perspective as a path and a process that has purpose. That's a heavy statement. I've heard this before. But is it a part of your regular thinking when you're going through a problem? Because folks, this is the difference again. I'm going to say it again. This is the difference between a problem causing you to give up and a problem helping you grow up. It's the, it's the hinge pin. One day Jesus was explaining that what was going to happen to him. He's talking to his disciples on another occasion. He says, listen guys, trouble's coming. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to be raised on the last day. And Peter goes, what? That's not going to happen. That's what Peter's response is. It's like he didn't even hear that last part. But I'm going to raise back from the dead. No, we're not having this. We're not, you're not, we're not going to have that. You're not going to, you're not going to uh, die. You're not going to, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Jesus does not need bodyguards. And he looks at Peter. Remember his response to Peter? <laughs> Get away from me, Satan. I love the New Living Translation. You are a dangerous trap to me. And if he says, you're a stumbling block. I think the message of one of the others says, you're not good for me. What's he saying? Peter, I don't want you to talk. Get behind me. You're making me, you're tempting me to not do this. Your, your view, your paradigm, it's just so messed up. You're, get away from me. You're like Satan. You're not seeing it. You see things from a human point of view. Not from God's point of view. How often do we look at our problems from our own point of view? And God says, oh, Tim, oh, oh. I have a perspective about these problems that you're facing. See, and it's this human point of view is a selfish point of view. God sees it bigger than this. My selfish point of view says, I don't want anybody to know I'm having this problem. My selfish point of view is, I just want it to go away. Maybe if I just ignore it. Maybe if I'd say nothing. Maybe I can run from it. I don't know. Problems seem to have a little more stamina than me. They seem to catch up. See, I see, human point of view sees problems as a bad thing, and we've got to get rid of them. God says, no, they're a good thing. I want to change you with them. 
Guys, think about this. The best thing that ever happened on this earth was because Jesus Christ trusted His Father when He faced trouble. The greatest thing that ever happened on this earth happened going through the problems, going through the hardship. And Peter, he catches this attitude from Jesus and his paradigm begins to shift as well. He goes from going, no, Lord, no, to going, okay, all right. I guess that's the way it's going to work for me too. There are no, see, problems, Peter's realized problems aren't bad, they're actually good for me. And that's, that's, by the way, I've got that in my head, that thought's bouncing around, and guess what it's doing? It's right now being filtered through my paradigm. I don't know about all problems. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of problems I, I have, and, and they're not good, and God wants to get rid of them. I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm not talking about getting rid of our sin problem, I'm talking about the problems we face because we follow Christ or the problems we face because someone hurts us. God can use those. Why do I still have... You ever, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I there's some problems I keep having. Why? Why do I keep having the same reruns? Now, I can only watch Gilligan's Island so many times, okay? I can watch reruns so many times, you know. But I mean, I get tired. I get bored with it too. Why do I keep having this problem reoccur? It's because I haven't changed. I'm still doing the same old thing, the same old way, thinking I'm going to get a different result. And see, Peter, he goes from no way, God, are we going to do it that way to saying these words in 1 Peter 1. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. He says, be glad, because these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Problems reveal where you really are. They reveal where your faith really is. Uh, somewhere in Proverbs it says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Sometimes problems will do that. They'll show. They're about revealing. But he says, it is being tested, this faith of ours. As fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you, circle it will bring you, circle tests and purifies while we're at it, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Why should I be glad to face my problems the way God wants me to? Well, number one, facing them will develop my faith. Problems test. Problems stress. Problems strain my spiritual muscle. As I'm getting older, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I can't lift as much. I have to ask for more help now. I, I don't have the strength I once had. But I remember in, way back in the day when I'd lift weight and it hurt, my muscles had to be torn down, broke down, sore, so they could rebuild stronger. That's the theory. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that right? It's, it's only the way a muscle grows is if it's strained or stressed or stretched. And my faith is my spiritual muscle. And Peter says, man, problems are like that, Tim. They strengthen. 
They stretch you. They stress you. But I don't like any of that. Well, you know, it, uh, nobody likes lifting weight at the time. But the results, that's what they're after, huh? Of course. So facing my problems will develop my faith. Running from them? I know, I know guys that have weight sets at home and never use them. And their arms are like mine, like noodles. I mean, they're just not that impressive. And so that's what happens when we say, I don't want to have that problem. I just want to, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. Guess what? You're going to be weak. Your faith is always going to be weak. And for it to become strong, for you to really have this faith that changes you into the likeness of Christ, it comes from when it's stretched. Number two, facing them will build my character. It says it purifies. It only just, it only, not only develops my faith, it purifies my motives, it purifies my heart. I read this this week. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. He's more interested in developing your character than providing you with comfort. If you thought becoming a Christian was about comfort, whoa! You need to get out of it. If that's what it's going to be for you. Make me feel good. Entertain me. No, it's, it's about growing and changing. And he'll use, I've heard this term, somebody says, have you been woke? I go, what? Woke? Have you been woke? What are you talking about? And they're saying, well, have you seen all this stuff? Are you woke? And I know what he's talking about. I know what she's talking about. And let me ask you something. Those of us that want to talk like that, I just want to ask you, is, are your problems waking you up? Are you realizing something? Because problems will do that. They wake us up. They make us deal with stuff. But most of all, they make us into this new person. You don't become a new person asleep. I know some of us will think, you know, we talk about beauty sleep. I've been trying that. It don't work. Get lots of beauty sleep. I still look in the mirror and go, yeah, look away. I'm hideous, you know. I don't get stronger sleeping. Oh yeah, I get revived, blah, blah, blah. Another, another sermon. But you understand, when I'm woke up is when I, and when my problem wakes me up, that's when the beginning, something can begin to happen. It wakes me up and I, and I begin to see how these, this problem purifies what I'm really about, what I really believe, and facing them will bring eternal rewards. The verse, the, this verse is interesting. It says, it will bring you much praise, glory, and honor. Wait a minute. We're supposed to give God the praise, the glory, and the honor. Amen. It says here that He's going to give me, going to give you praise, glory, and honor. Those are the words that are used for someone who has won, who's victorious. I think, I think of the, this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Kudos to you. Way to go. You see, facing them will bring eternal rewards. Gets me ready for when Jesus comes back. 
2 Corinthians 4.17 says this, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and catch it, will last forever. It's eternal. I don't know if I fully understand that. I just know it's forever. And I want you to know this morning, what you're going through right now doesn't compare to what God has for you on the other side of that problem. On the other side of this life. Sure, troubles, we have them. And yes, they're not fun. To, they're, not, they're not any fun experiencing a problem. What you're, what, some, of, some of you, all of us here have got something we're going through. We don't like it. We don't even want to deal with it. This morning I want to encourage you, deal with it. Deal with it. Remember, God can use that problem. It has a purpose. It's good for you. And it will change. It will lead to strengthening you and improving your character. So the biggest challenge this morning as I close is this. What's going to happen after we leave here? Because your situation is going to be the same. What are you going to do? I'm not going to say the next time you face a problem. No, what are you going to do with the one you got now? I was telling the first service, you know, Jesus said this, what are you worried about tomorrow for? Because today has enough of its own. What's he saying? Why do you need more problems, Tim? I can think of all kinds of things to worry about tomorrow and the day after, and the day after, and the day after, and next year, and what's going to happen ten years from now, and what's going to happen to my grandkids. I mean, I, I, he's going to stop it! They haven't even come here yet. You're right. They're they're there. They're going to be here. But why don't you deal with the one right now? The one right now. You could learn so much right now, Tim. You could benefit so much right now. You could grow so much right now. I don't want this problem. I want to get it behind me. I, he's saying, why don't learn from it? Why not grow from it? You see, what will I do when I face as I'm facing this present difficulty and this struggle, this trial, will I believe my problems have a purpose or will I grumble? Will I grumble or grow from this problem? When you stop and think about it, you don't even like complaining. Huh? You don't even like to hear yourself complain about it either. Nobody else wants to hear it. And you really don't want to do that. Just, just drop that. Drop that approach. And grow from it. Now this last passage I want to leave you with as we, as we wrap things up here. Look at this. This is the message. I like this particular paraphrase. I want to encourage you with this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I want you to see something there. There's the source of the best paradigm you can have. The best thoughts you can have the best approach you can have. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrew writer says that. Why? Well, it's so easy to get your eyes off Jesus when you're in a storm. Ask Peter. So easy to get your eyes off of Jesus and on the waves. Just ask Him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your thoughts on Jesus. Listen, who began and finished this race we're in, study how He did it. Because He never lost sight of where He was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. 
He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now He's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility He plowed through. That'll shoot adrenaline in your souls. Years ago, when I was in high school, I ran cross country. I'm not, I'm not Gary level. Gary's, he's an amazing, he was an amazing runner in high school. I was just something to do. And I remember one race we had against two other schools, and I'm running along, and I'm doing pretty good. And we're getting near the end of the race, you know, and one of, one of the teams on the other is a rival. We wanted to beat him. He was Mount Carmel. You know? And so I'm just, you know, I'm running and I'm trying, I'm doing pretty good. And all of a sudden I hear a big cheer. I'm a half a mile away from the finish line. What's going on? And, and you know, gossip travels even through a race. And they're telling each other back and forth, blah, 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 blah. And it gets to me, Gil, David Green just won the race. We have more than enough points. We've beat Mount Carmel. Really? Yeah, we just gotta, we gotta make sure now. Really? Yeah, he's already at the finish line. I can just see David sitting there going, yeah, he just was in shape. Talking to the people. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a tough race, but you know, I did well. Did all right. I'm just thinking, man, that's something. David was amazing to me because he was always encouraging me when we were running. He'd say, Tim, come on, keep it up. Keep it going. You're going to make it. Just don't give up. Oh, but my back hurts, David. That's, that's normal. That happens. But my joints hurt. That's normal. That's, my lungs feel like they're on fire. Mine too. I can't keep this up. You've got to, Tim. You've got to. We're just about to, we're going to win this thing. That's the kind of stuff. And even that day, he was as he blew by me or was a few feet ahead of me. And I just remember going, I can just see him at the, he's, we've already won this thing. Then what am I worried about? All of a sudden I'm running faster. What's happened? It's like I got a shot of adrenaline from David. Or, or don't you mean Jesus, Tim? No, it was David Green. I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I thought about girls and most of the time and eating. And then David every once in a while and I happened to be thinking about him. And I'm running, and I'm thinking, you, don't let anybody pass you, Tim. And I'm looking behind me, and I can hear their footsteps. And I'm looking ahead of me, and I notice something. Problems are a lot like these other runners in this race we're all in. You outlast those problems, man. You'll catch them. You'll be victorious over them. But you've got to remember who's at the finish line. When I crossed the finish line, David was waiting for me. High five, man. Back in the 70s, they did high fives. High five, man. And I'm high-fiving him, and my lungs are about to explode, and we're all get, we're all going, we're winning, we won't Mount Carmel. We hated Mount Carmel. And all I want to tell you this morning is, I know the problem you're facing this morning, your paradigm is so important here. Because when I get in my problems, I think about myself and not about the author and finisher of my faith, who's at the finish line and said, I just got through it. Come on, Tim. Come on. And when you let Jesus encourage you, when you let the idea that Jesus went through that, and you think, how did He do that? It says, study Him. 
How did he do that? How did David run so fast? Well, he ran every day. How did he said no to his pain? He resisted temptation. He kept putting one foot in front of the other. I'm going to do the same thing. And guess what? I end up finishing the race too. And you keep doing this. Your Lord and Savior is at the finish line going, watch how I did it. You see how I did that? I know it hurts. I know it, I, I know it, Tim. I've went through the same thing. I've went through the same thing, church, as you. But come on. And maybe you won't do a high five, but he's going to say when you cross the finish line, good and faithful servant. We just whooped the enemy. We sent, we sent Mount Carmel in a tailspin. We sent, we sent the devil running. So let me encourage you. Let this passage encourage you. Think like Jesus with this problem you're facing and the next one you're facing. And just see what happens. Watch what happens. Well, you're going to change. That problem is temporary. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Learn from it. And watch your life change into a new person. You have a card in your bulletin. And it's just a prayer request. And maybe you'd like to respond to this lesson in some way. We don't have, we don't have people coming down the aisle. Oh, no, we got them leaving. <laughs> no, we got, <laughs> there goes Bob. <laughs> no, we don't have them walking down the aisle. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. <laughs> sorry, Bob. But you know, right there in your own seat, and I kind of like that. You know, just you and God, that card. What's the problem you're facing? Why not ask church to ask our prayer team to pray for you? What, what, what that problem is? What do you need to do? You need to realize, hey, they're normal. I need to get over that. I need to start accepting that these are part of life. Is that what it is? Have you forgotten they're temporary? You're too big a hurry to get rid of them. I'm with you. I want to get rid of mine too. But God said, no, 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 wait a minute. I've got a purpose. Maybe you need to ask God, God, help me see your purpose. Change my mind and the way I'm handling my problems. That problem will still be there. But you'll look at it from a different perspective. We're going to give you some time to fill out that card. Some of you know the routine. We're going to sing a song while you're filling out that card. Maybe you're already starting. And then we'll sing another song, collect up those cards along with our regular contribution. Our special contribution is over 22000 now. I hope you're thinking about what some of you here, what we're going to do. What are you going to do? It's going to be here before you know it. Just another couple months here. We're going through May and through June. And I just ask you, if you're a guest, you're under no obligation to give to this church. So if somebody sees you not giving, uh, don't worry, they're not going to look at you like, what's wrong with you? Now, if they look at you and you're a member, they're going to go look at you and you might have to tell them something, okay? <laughs> you know, hey, wait, I gave last week. I gave two weeks and all that stuff. Whatever. But just, I want you to know, we're going to take up that collection, take up those cards. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon, but have a wonderful week. Be glad and look forward to what God's going to do as you take His paradigm into your problem. Let's pray. Father, thank You for just Your Word, Father, for all the Scriptures, Father, for what Your Son teaches. Lord, we pray that... we pray, Father, we pray for a paradigm shift. I pray for a paradigm shift, Father. And Father, not just a different way of thinking, but, but it leads to a different way of living. Father, we pray that You help us just, just make that shift. Father, some of us here, 
we just we're just going to church. We're just going through the motions. We know. We know that's not what you want. Give us the faith and courage to take a step, to begin to shift. What's your Holy Father? I pray your Holy Spirit just lead the minds of everybody here and the hearts of everybody here and touch hearts in such a way to not to not be afraid of what they're going through. You're with them. Reassure them you're with them. But Father, also not just with them, but you're wanting to take them on a journey through a process to a better place, to a changed life. Lord, would you do that, make that possible today? We praise you, Father. We thank you so much for being able to be together to worship in a free country. We take it so for granted. Thank you so much for this. What a gift. Help us to leave here with a different way of looking at things. That we look at things like you would. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.